Welcome to the Ear Flaps Podcast, where we tear apart the movies we love for analytical and learning purposes. No movies were harmed in the making of this podcast. Our movie today is War Horse, directed by Steven Spielberg and released on Christmas Day 2011. Here to talk about, analyze, critique, and otherwise tear apart the movie today with me is... Rachel Poling and Annie Poling. We're sisters, in case you couldn't tell. So, uh, we just got done watching it, and what did you guys think? Um, well, I I liked it, but I didn't like it, and I feel like it was almost there in some ways. It's like, enjoyable movie, but I didn't love it. Yeah, it's... It's a really, really pretty movie, and there's parts of it that I really like, parts of it that give me goosebumps, but specifically the end, and I know we'll talk more about this later, but the end left me feeling really unsatisfied, and I remember that first time I watched it, I was like, I don't like this movie. Like, I really, really wanted to like this movie, and it just doesn't quite do it for me. Yeah. I generally have the same feeling um, about it. I think what you're saying about the ending... To change the ending would be to change uh, what the movie is meant to be, which is a very sappy, feel-good movie. And there aren't many other ways to end it and still get that uh, feeling across. Mm -hmm. I mean, as we all know, Spielberg is known for making films that when you go watch it, you bring a bowl of popcorn, but you also bring a big box of tissues with. (laughs) I unfortunately can say I've never cried watching a Spielberg movie. Unfortunately. Oh, I take that back. I cried for Schindler's List. Oh, I didn't see that one. Yeah. What about Private Ryan? Saving Private Ryan? Nope, did not nope, cry. Nope, didn't cry. Have you seen AI? No. no. I would say probably AI is his saddest movie because it is not a feel-good movie at the end. Oh, It's yeah. just sad. Mm. Spoiler alert. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of feel like the feel good tone of Warhorse was didn't really work partly because it was about war. Like there was several scenes and like the whole tone of it was like, "Oh my goodness, look how horrible war is and these people going through this." And then it has to end with this feel good, everyone's happy. You know, it I don't know, it didn't work quite as well mismatching those tones. Okay, so I guess we're getting into our more deep analysis of the film so annie start with you okay so just thinking about the entire plot of the characters and of the film it's a long series of setups and payoffs but that's like all it is there's no character arc really everything was just a setup for a later payoff so like the whole scene with the french girl or the whole section with the french girl That was only there so that at the end, the grandfather would buy Joey. And so that whole scene, that whole section, although it was really fun and, you know, the little girl was really charming and kind of fell in love with her, she didn't actually have hardly any bearing on the story. Right. Well, this is one of those kind of movies that uh, kind of just follow a character that touches a whole lot of other people's lives. Mm-hmm. but doesn't change their own life a lot. You're talking um, about the horse, Joey. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, another movie like this is uh, Forrest Gump, where it's just him being involved in a lot of events. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's a difference, though, because Forrest Gump was also touched by all the people. 
Yes. Yeah, it's not direct. Yeah, well, yeah, but... but that I guess that was a more problem that I had is that Joey is a horse. Joey is a horse. He is didn't the actually connect to any of the characters except Albert. They all connected to him, and they're like, "Oh, cool horse and a marvelous horse, and I love you. You're a horse." But he didn't. We didn't see any connection with for him with anybody else. Right. I'm not sure you were meant to. Mm-hmm. I think um, he is the just the catalyst to look at other people's lives. Mm-hmm. Unless it was just with um, him and Albert, obviously. Mm-hmm. I mean, there was supposed to be something there, but I don't think he was meant to have a connection to any other person. Yeah, but the movie thought it what that <laughs> the movie thought that there you're supposed to be a connection which is my biggest problem with it was the movie couldn't decide whether or not the people were the main characters or the horse was the main character and it kept switching back and forth because you'd see scenes where the horse was the main character and there weren't any people that you really cared about in that scene you you only were seeing that to let you know the state of Joey but in doing that, they made him a character. But when we were with people, he wasn't a character anymore. Yeah. Right. So what you're saying, they tried to make him the audience proxy while also making uh, the him. focus of the other characters around him. Yeah. And it, I don't, it just, it didn't work for me. Partially because I don't really like animal movies that much unless they're all the all the characters are animals and the animals talk, you know. <laughs> Have you seen this kind of thing done better in other movies? Um, I'm not 100% sure because it's been a really, really long time since I've seen it, but I'm pretty sure Black Bo- Beauty did it better. Black Beauty. I've just never really been big on animal books or animal movies. That's not really my thing. So, I mean, I know I'm kind of partially prejudiced against the movie just going in, but I really, really, I really tried to like it. I promise. Okay, since uh, we usually watch a movie in chronological order. Usually. Yeah. uh, Most of our notes go in pretty much chronological order, so I guess we'll start at the beginning. Um, Mm Rachel? Rachel? (laughs) <laughs> well, the first thing I noticed, obviously, is the beautiful music, because ah, it's John music. Williams. I mean, like, how could it not be beautiful? And the opening is stunning shots of the countryside. And so, I mean, it's a really, it's a really great opening. Yeah, with yeah. really, really pretty music and really, really pretty shots. And then we get into... Like, the first meaty scene we get into is when um, Albie's father is buying the horse, or is buying Joy. Oh, well, I had some things before that. The um, I really thought the beginning was beautiful and lovely to look at, and, the, you know, the baby horse was so cute and stuff like that, but I felt like they spent too long trying to establish Joey as a character at all and not enough time with albert like we never saw albert living his life before joey yeah i remember the first time i watched this i was really confused about why like i didn't know that albie and his father were albie and his father and so (laughs) you see albie you see albie looking at joey being born and you know you know that they're obviously destined for each other 
Um, but then there's this whole big auction scene, mm-hmm. and I didn't connect who was who because Albie wasn't there. And it's not until you get back to the cottage that you realize. So that leads me to either feel like, A, of course it's his father because that's predictable, or B, this was confusing because they didn't set it up. And so neither of those options feel really solid to me. I would have done that a little bit differently. Yeah, I would just have shown more of Albie's life, basically. What what his life normally was before Joey. So you get kind of... A, like, I would... It was like Joey was supposed to be his best friend. I mean, he was supposed to be his best friend. And... But I felt like we needed to see that Albie was lonely. Or he wanted a friend or something like that. To where we could see a significant change and see what a difference Joey made and why they were so close. Mm-hmm. Or that Albie had a natural way with animals or that he just loved animals or he loved horses in general. Like, we didn't know anything about Albie or his tendencies or his interests before we saw him just, like, fall head over heels in love with Joey. Yeah. Well, that that is a thing that is hard to fix because... It, this is this movie is based on a book, and the book is written from the perspective of Joey. Oh, well, that makes sense. That that makes a lot of sense, except for that's not how it is in the movie. Right. <laughs> that, yeah. That's my main problem. If it was from Joey's perspective, it would be a better movie, mm-hmm. I think. So the, I don't know, I had some comments about the auction scene. I felt like they kept rehashing the same information. You're a fool for buying the horse. You're a fool. You know, it's just like... They, the characters in the scene openly said, you're a fool, at least four or five times. Mm-hmm. Whereas all of the events of the scene were implying you're a fool already. Like, I feel, I feel like there was a lot of unnecessary you're a fool going on. Mm-hmm. Because the best version of it was when he got home and his wife was angry. Right. Yeah, yeah. And, well... That scene, one thing I had a problem also with that auction scene was uh, the fact that that was supposed to set up that he's stubborn, that the farm, farmer is stubborn. It more set up and, for me that he's stupid. Um, I don't know, because... That was not a good choice just thinking about it. I, I yeah. Well, the auction scene also set up the point that um, Albie's father supposedly fell in love with joey too right but that that doesn't carry through like if we're talking about what that scene is setting up you know it's supposed to you think it's supposed to be setting up that albie's father is stubborn yeah it's also supposed to set up that he's a drunk and it's also it's supposed to set up that he's headstrong mm-hmm. but it also sets up that he just fell in love with Joey. I think it started out like that, but as the bidding got higher and higher, it was meant to show that he did not want to lose. You know, he wanted to win, basically, especially to his landlord. Mm-hmm. And I felt like that that point could have been made better in, in a different way. Yeah. I also feel like that might have been an unnecessary point. Like, why why do we need to know that? Why couldn't that have been set up? with later events that showed it much better i think that is the point of his character i mean he is stubborn and that is his identity in the film right but it doesn't he's stubborn but it doesn't it doesn't affect his relationship with albie 
in a deep and meaningful way. Mm. Yeah. And I have issues with that. I really liked um, Emily Watson's acting. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I've always liked any acting that I've seen her do. Yeah. Albie's mom is definitely one of my favorite characters in the movie, and I wish there was more of her. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like, I almost wish his father wasn't there. <laughs> like, that that mm. would have that would have made a much more interesting story. Yeah. Actually, that would have. Though, I really liked the actor that played his father. I thought he did a really good job of just being one of those old, stubborn... Yeah, yeah. I, hobbling I liked, around. Yeah, I liked oh, totally. the acting, yeah. There were lots of moments where I where you totally felt really sad for him, but in the right way. You know, like, that character, you need to feel the consequences of their bad decisions, and you need to understand everyone else's motivation and maybe not liking them or thinking that they're a fool, Mm -hmm. but you also feel really sad for them and their circumstances, and I think his acting really pulled that off. I kind of just like the whole beginning segment with their family. Um, Just how well i thought it was well written in explaining some of the backstory behind him you know he went to war and he did some things maybe he's not proud of or he's, i like that whole scene with yeah. albie and his mom that was a really good scene um i guess that's why i feel sad that uh, which scene are you talking about with him and his mom after after the plow scene after the plow scene and albie's saying stuff like his you know why is dad so stubborn and he's a fool because anyway and where his, they where they reveal his where they reveal flag the, the pen yeah yeah, thing. yeah yeah that scene i thought that scene was really good in um explaining a lot of motivations and just deepening their whole family it's kind of why i feel sad that albie was not the main character because i felt they set him up really well in dealing with all these issues mm-hmm. yeah and <laughs> The plow scene was cool, but it was very I... overdone and heroic. Yeah, and I feel like unfortunately the scoring was partially to blame for that. Like the music was too epic for yeah. the circumstances, and I know that the circumstances were epic for those characters, but I felt like it was putting that moment in their lives on the scale of all of these big war events. Yeah, yeah. Right. Or even bigger. And that didn't gel with me. Like, I, I wanted it to be a victory, but a much a much smaller victory. Mm-hmm. That that part would have worked without music, I think. Yeah, I think it would have worked better or just Ooh, a little bit. I actually really like that idea, that whole scene without music. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, I've, I've listened to other pundits say that... Um, John Williams over has a tendency to overscore, and I think that's true. Even though his yeah. music is beautiful and it's often very aptly placed, some of it is, you know, there's too much mm-hmm. music sometimes. Having said that, do you think that Star Wars is overscored? No comment. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. Do not touch I don't the either. Star Wars. Annie does not think that. <laughs> I don't either. I mean, I think fantasy. It's it's easier. And it's more okay to overscore a fantasy or not a real world film. Yeah. Yes, I agree. I, f- I feel like um, it's not just John Williams either. It's also the director who makes choices like that <laughs> yeah. on where the score goes and how the score is. So, yeah. I felt I felt like the whole town gathering to watch the horse and 
all of the stakes involved in plowing the land and doing it with Joey. <clears throat> you know, I felt like that the stakes were too big, even though they're big. Even though we had big stakes for our characters, you know, his father would lose the farm. You know, they'd lose Joey. They lose Joey. Blah blah blah. You know, those were big enough stakes without involving an audience for that. And I don't know. It just it yeah. just didn't quite fit. For I would have felt better if it was just the landlord and his son. And that brings up the fact: Did you guys like the landlord as a villain? Because I kind of felt like he was a bit too villainous. Um, in he he felt like it. The movie made it seem like he did not want the farmer to succeed. Right. I think I would have preferred a little bit more of a uh, sympathetic villain. A tiny bit. I actually think that he's the closest to a villain you get in the entire movie. Right. True. Which, hmm. I mean, he's he's there ma- mainly not only to, to provide the circumstances and the stakes, but also to, I like again, <laughs> also to, again, show his father's stubbornness. That's what he's there for. Right. And I don't know. I just, like, I felt like that wasn't entirely necessary to the story. Another really big problem I have with the story in general, but that really kind of, you can really pinpoint it in the plow scene and in, like, the training scenes before that. And I say training with air quotes. It's that... Joey seems to be able to completely understand what humans want and talking to him motivationally will give you the desired results. Well, they they do the the movie trope of in any kind of training where if you have struggled up until now and you do it once, doing it once makes you an expert at it for the whole rest of the movie. Yeah. Mhm. Yeah. So, I mean, we have friends who have trained horses and they have seen this movie and critiqued that particular point of that's not really realistic for training a horse horses really don't do that (laughs) i mean horses are smart and they're loving sympathetic creatures most of the time but they're creatures Mm -hmm. and that particular trait of speaking motivationally to your horse probably won't produce the results you're looking for Okay, so um, now we move on to uh, starting to introduce the army. Yeah. Uh, Before we do that, actually, um, Steven Spielberg in an interview said that um, not a single shot in this movie has a sky enhancement or replaced sky. Wow. I don't know if I totally believe that in some of the war scenes, you know, where there's there might be some in there, but. I know that all the landscape stuff and that it's just it's it was filmed in actually Devon and Dartmoor, like they say in the film. And yeah, that's it was just beautifully shot. Yeah, totally. gosh, all the sky's the like I noticed the sky every single scene. It was like, Oh my goodness, beautiful clouds, oh my goodness, beautiful sun, oh my goodness, beautiful smoke. It's like <laughs> <laughs> And he also said that uh that when he went there and saw the town and the the landscape, he said it's like it had been built for widescreen. Oh, yeah. Mm. That's really cool. Okay, so now uh, we introduce um, the war and Tom Hiddleston. 
Yeah. Well, before we get to that, I I was having a little bit of trouble with how they got into that. Like, the, the how they got into the war was their crop was ruined by the rain. Yeah. Right. Uh, did anybody else not remember that? Uh, yeah. <laughs> what, what do you yeah. mean? You forgot that while watching the movie? Uh, yes. And I forgot it the first time. Like, um, when I'm thinking, well, how, how do they get from joey and albie to needing to sell to needing to sell the horse it's like it's this huge thing in their life and it has even bigger stakes than the whole uh you know plowing scene why was it just kind of you know it wasn't (laughs) i actually remembered it before i watched it again uh because i actually saw it in the theater when it came out that was the last time i saw it um i i remember i almost remembered that it was that they confiscated his horse. Yeah, that's what I thought. That, that would they have been were, so like, much better. Drafting all of the horses that were, you know, um, suitable for war. Right, which would have worked better, I think, because there is a theme of drafting horses throughout the entire movie. Yeah, right. and so it just it was just a little bit of wonky writing and pacing issue for me that the whole crop ruining thing that we worked so hard for and it was so epic we had such a big moment and before. it failed and oh the crop died oh we're selling joey now you know and it, yeah, it, was, it, it was like went really fast it actually might have worked out better if they had um actually the crop had succeeded and grown and they harvested it and everything was going fine and then they had to give up the horse yeah mm-hmm. that actually might have made it a bit that would have uh, been sadder. a bigger that would have been a bigger blow for albie yeah, and I can also see it being a better story point also if you were going to stay with Albie as the main character because it caused a like a big rift between him and his dad that without his without even talking to him, his dad went and sold Joey. And that could be a big character thing that he has to struggle with, but since Albie's not the main character, we forget all about it and don't see any of it. Yeah, and I I remember the first time I watched it and I remembered what happened, so I wasn't confused this time, but I was really confused before how we went from, oh, no, what are we going to do, to dad is selling my horse right now. Like, it didn't connect with me because we didn't see Albie through any of that. We only saw him after he realized that Joey was gone. Mm, yeah. And so the dis- the thought process of getting f- from the crop is ruined, we have to sell Joey, like, that that thought process wasn't very nicely displayed one thing i really loved was his mom's line albie's mom's line after joey was sold and yes she I said agree about that. it's the way you did it when when, <laughs> when that was like my favorite when line albie's father says it had to be done and she didn't disagree she just said you know it was the way you did it right yeah i i i do like that line and that wouldn't have worked if he had been drafted if the horse had been drafted yeah but, yeah yeah but yeah i like i said i think emily watson's character i can't even remember her name albie's mom was one of the best written best acted characters for sure right but i love that that particular that particular line i love that because it's so relationally true and you don't really see that in movies very often Mm -hmm. where somebody tells the truth about how their actions um affect others affect others in a really true relational way and it's just not something you see very often so i really like that okay so the horse is drafted into the army 
and we pretty much leave Albie right there. Yeah. Um, for quite a while. There's only one more scene with him before he's yeah. in the war as well. Right. Which one's that? Um, when he gets the news that uh, oh, Tom Hiddleston's character had died. Right. In the war, and he gets the pictures. Um, okay, so this also introduces uh, Benedict Cumberbatch's character. I I really liked the whole section uh, with Tom Tom. Tom Hiddleston. I want to say Tommy. Gosh, thanks, Max. Okay. I really like that whole section um, where they're first in the British cavalry. Um, I thought it was a little more fun. Yeah, he is uh, Benedict Cumberbatch's relationship with uh, Tom Hiddleston and their and Tom Hiddleston's what was he kind of sub, um, subordinate? Yeah, you know. All their the, their dynamic right there, and you know, like talking about the hat. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, everything. Ugh. It felt like like before that we were dealing with oh they're gonna lose their farm and their you know their whole livelihood is at stake and their whole friendship is at stake and we get to here and it's a lot more joking and fun even though they're about to go into war. Well, I think another thing that really helped with that is that right now Joey is in the correct position, which is he's a horse. And, <laughs> and, and we're we're focusing <laughs> we're focusing more on the characters as a people and joy's kind of along for the ride and so at that point i feel like the movie kind of made up its mind for a little while mm-hmm. about yeah. who we were following and what we were doing and i really that whole section is my favorite part of the movie it's the part of the movie that i remember right it's the part of the movie that i felt like emotionally Mm-hmm. I felt more emotions in that section than in a lot of other places. And I was really, really sad when the Tom Hiddleston character died. And it, yeah, well, that that brings us into the battle sequence, which happens right there. That which, is my favorite sequence. Yes, the the battle sequence right there is and and up up when Tom Hiddleston's character died is probably my favorite section of the film. Mm-hmm. Um, and. What I like about it also, especially during the start where they're going through the wheat fields and magically not sneezing through the whole journey, <laughs> but um, when when they're going through the wheat fields and then they attack the soldiers and it looks like, yeah, awesome, they're, they're winning. Mm-hmm. And then you see what one of the big things in World War One was the, the new way war is fought, trench warfare and, you know. Mm-hmm. Just the slog of that and that horses and the charging across the va- battlefield triumphantly is a way of the past now. And I really like how they showed that mm-hmm. in the film. You know, them bringing out the the um, machine guns and just the camera work they did through that whole scene was really good. And the lead up to Tom Hiddleston's character dying where all the sound dropped out and it was just the music. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't like super sad music. It was just this... Um, light not light but it wasn't heavily orchestrated yeah it didn't feel like oh no the hero is dying it just felt kind of like this is what happened the that moment where it says oh no the hero is dying happened on tom hiddleston's face through his act yeah but the music didn't do that right and that was good and then how they just um showed him and how they set up that little flag pendant thing Mm -hmm. on him at the beginning of the fight 
And then that's the only way you know that he died is because you see Joey running through the forest with a flag on him, but no rider anymore. Mm-hmm. And I yeah. really like that bit. I do too. And I really love Tom Hiddleston's acting in that last shot of him. Just his face and he looks scared, but determined. And you know that he knows that he's going to die. And it, I don't know. I just really like it. It made me sad. Yeah. And interesting <laughs> fact is... um. Thor and this movie came out in the same year, um, which, yeah, very different roles for Tom Hiddleston. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> very different. I had a question about this section of the film that I was wondering what you guys thought about. Why do we need to introduce the other horse character? They just, they, you don't really know his name for most of it. They just call him the Big Black most yeah. of the time. He, he, I mean... That's something that probably is a carryover from the book. Yeah, it's much much bigger character in the book. Wow, and um, it also gives something for Joey to be heroic for. Oh, which I had a problem with that. (laughs) Can horses be self-sacrificial? This is a question I have. Can they actually be self-sacrificial? I hear crickets. (laughs) (laughs) I do not know the answer to that. I just, in general, really liked the way that the movie treated the war and both sides of the war. Mm-hmm. And since it was a PG-13 movie, um, it wasn't overly violent. No. But it, it felt raw and and gritty mm-hmm. and miserable. Yeah. And I just really liked that there wasn't any, like, just because they were German, they were mean people, and just because they're French. Or, you know, it's there was no stereotyping of either side, which I really, really liked. Oh, right, because after this... After the battle, he's in the German. He, yeah, we follow two German characters that are very sympathetic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, the two brothers. Um, they did make the Germans out to be all like all in darker, and whenever they show them, the landscape is all torn up and grimy and muddy. They do that a little bit, but not as much in as in some other films. Yeah, right. But they were in France, not in Germany. Yeah. So it. It was it was like the you could tell that the that they had been fighting inch for inch. The so what was behind them was a big mess. So it makes sense that it was Well be no, like it that. wasn't what was behind them. They were going up to the front because remember they were they were pulling the guns up the hill and started attacking that town. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where um where actually But I thought that was the French artillery, not the German. No, that was the I got really confused on who was French and who was German as well, but it was the Germans. Really? I, I never had a problem. I, I always knew that once he left, he leaves the um, uh, British Army right there, he goes into the Germans and stays with them for a long time. Um, so uh, <clears throat> the two boys desert and run away with the horses. Mm-hmm. I really like the scene where they get caught mm-hmm. and executed. And how they got away with doing an ex- execution in the PG-13 movie with the windmill. Yeah. Blades coming that down. That's cool. That's, I mean, I thought it was really, really cool. And I think that section, in addition to the the first war section, mm-hmm. I thought those two go really well together. Yes. Mm-hmm. like Yes, showing the contrast in sides. Yeah. Like, I didn't, I didn't, like, if we're talking about when I what parts of the film I liked and then didn't like and then liked and didn't like again, my didn't liking didn't come back until after the boys were executed. 
But at the same time, they had the same problem as the whole section with the the little girl and her grandfather. Joey didn't actually do anything. Right. They just rode him to the barn, to the windmill, and then they died. You know. Right. Right. So now we're back to kind of setting up another main character. Which was the girl and her grandfather. Right. But through that, it's really confusing which one is supposed to be the main character, the girl or the grandfather. And it should have been the grandfather. I don't know. I'm okay with yeah. that whole section. I thought I was okay with that too. Really, I didn't. didn't. I didn't really like it. That's that's my least favorite section. I think. No. Oh. Well, I feel like it didn't fit very well in the movie right there. We yeah. had just go, you know we've been in the war and seeing yeah. kind of the suffering that was going on, and then we go to her and she's charming and they live a mostly okay life, even though she lost her parents. And um, yeah, I really like their their relationship together and and their acting together mm-hmm. and their dialogue yeah it was really kind of quirky and fun and oh i thought it was cute i just didn't it just pulled me out of the story like i felt like mm-hmm. i felt yeah <laughs> <laughs> i wanted to go back to where tom Middleston was because <laughs> that part was just so much more better more better <laughs> yeah um and so after that that sequence it goes into probably my least favorite part well that's actually where i got confused because i thought the army that, that came, came through up. and was ransacking their house was french no i thought it was french because i thought it was french both too. armies huh. did that yeah because right both armies did that and they brought a whole bunch of women with them which it could have been it could have been German soldiers doing that, but it seemed to me like it would have been more of a French thing to do. Yeah. French army's thing to do. And I couldn't tell their accents weren't distinct enough. Yeah. Me. And I, I couldn't, and I felt like the grandfather would have acted differently if they were Germans. Right. Mm. Yeah. Um. Yeah, this movie has the, the trope of Everyone foreign speaks. actors <laughs> in their own countries still speak English with an accent. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Which would have been hard to do otherwise. Yeah. I mean, At least, I think the little girl was French, so her yeah. accent and her, was very and clear. And the grandfather was French, too. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Well, I mean... At, at least he does a lot I mean of French that films. Little, <laughs> the little girl actor was French. I'm pretty right. sure. I'm right. 100%. Um, that, after the German army takes over the horses again, uh, that's my least favorite part of the film with the German soldier that really likes the horses and mm-hmm. doesn't want to leave them and has to be dragged away when they eventually do have to leave them. And that's also the part that has Joey heroically saving the black horse from... Yeah, yeah, and the whole Joey again. showing the black horse how to put the plow harness on and... Right. And mm. and him jumping over the tank. Joey cho- jumping oh, yeah. over the tank. Ugh. Yeah, I did like the black horse's death. (laughs) Yeah, that was pretty well done. Pretty well acted. It was pretty sad. (laughs) That was like the only part in the movie where I was actually sad for Joey. Like the rest of it, I was sad for the people in the movie, not the horse. Mm -hmm. But Joey, the way they shot it and the way that the horses were acting. (laughs) (laughs) Like the acting was superb (laughs) in that that scene. Joey just looks so desolate and lonely. (laughs) Well, that's actually a kind of funny thing because um, there were 14 horses that played Joey during the movie. Eight of them as an adult, four as a colt, and two as a full. And um, and the, the main acting horse, 
mm-hmm. uh, for Joey was named Finder. He also played uh, Sea Biscuit. Oh, oh that, that makes, makes a lot, lot of sense. sense. Wow, you two just said that. We're it's the same. In case you couldn't tell, it happens. Sea Biscuit is. Oh, hey! If we're talking, you asked me earlier about movies that do horses better. Mm-hmm. It's Sea Biscuit, mm-hmm. hands down. Yeah, best and... horse movie I've ever seen. But but Sea Biscuit isn't about. They don't try to make Sea Biscuit the main character exactly and it's about the people good. around seabiscuit <laughs> but you feel so triumphant for seabiscuit when it's his turn <laughs> yeah and uh they also had to have a makeup art makeup artist for the horses oh yeah and you know they had to paint the white cross on his forehead and the four white socks on all the horses too which is <laughs> quite funny i was wondering about that how how much makeup you know, are there specialists on horse oh, I'm sure or animal is. makeup? Because looking at like the whole thing where they had to pull the giant artillery up the hill, all of those horses look extremely scraggly and torn mm-hmm. up and stuff like that. They had to and grimy. Yeah, there there must be some some people in the world who specialize in horse makeup. Yeah, That's interesting. And, and this movie actually had the full approval of the animal humane society <laughs> just in in what they did they they never hurt any of the animals which yeah some of the shots in there it just <laughs> it looks like they're really like the one where up. he's running through the uh no man's land and he gets caught in that wire and he totally flips over yes that was actually a slams his a, hips oh man a fake horse on a rail system i wondered and that actually flips. So part of that was real. And it sold with the sound effects. And they probably had to add CGI elements to that shot. Yeah. And th- there was very few VFX shots in this. Mm-hmm. Um, one of them is that shot when Joey is running in No Man's Land. And he jumps over the trench, runs along the trench, and then jumps back over but doesn't make it. Uh-huh. Him running along the trench and running past the camera in the trench were real the jumping over was a CGI horse, and um, I can tell. I, w- I actually watched a breakdown of that shot, and it's really good. I'll link it in the uh, show notes for this episode. Yeah, speaking of horses, I watched an interview with Tom Hiddleston and Benedict Cumberbatch, and I can't remember which one of them hadn't ridden before, but mm. you know they both had to do extensive training in order mm-hmm. to ride in the film, and they were they were both saying how much they just loved that like <laughs> like well, the, whole, the whole movie was you know it was the, like the set was about the horses and you got to know your horse really well and the the environment of the set was such that they they got really really comfortable with their horses and mm-hmm. that they just loved that even though their part in the movie isn't really very big very big yeah. in comparison it's right. like they still had to spend a lot of time preparing for it and and to a horse the actor who played Albert, uh, his name was Jeremy Irvine. He also had to learn um, how to you know, ride and be around horses. And he had to get each horse used to him. And so Ooh, the horse was comfortable 14 acting. different horses? Yeah. Wow. And he said he spent a lot of time in the stable just, you know, being around the horses. <laughs> um, what did you think of his acting in the movie? Really good. Mm-hmm. I, I have some shot choices that I was a little like oh hey we're having the epic zoom in on his sad eyes right now again yeah but no i thought he acted it really well like he did really well at pulling off very earnest person like that could be difficult mm-hmm. to go overboard with actually he reminded me of Anne from Anne of green gables 
Yeah. Just how earnest and hopeful, hopeful, mm-hmm. and just has a very bright view of the Innocent, world. Innocent, but not naive. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, and um, this is also a side note. Um, original. Um, there was a rumor that it was actually going to be Eddie Redmayne playing oh, really? Albert. He would have worked. I think. Would you have liked him better? Or? I don't think I would have liked he's him Marius better. He's Marius from Limits, right? Yeah. Okay, just making sure I'm thinking <laughs> of the right person. Um. Yeah. I don't know if he could have done the earnest, wide-eyed kid yes, he as could. well. Totally. I didn't... I've seen him in roles like that. I, uh, I don't know what they were, but I've seen him in roles like that. He's more serious in my mind. Anyway, he. I think he could have done a good job, but I like... Um, who is there? <laughs> we like the current actor whose name we can't quite remember. Jeremy Irvine. Jeremy Irvine. We like Jeremy better. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so getting back to the film... Um, we were at the part where he jumps over the tank, you know, the, the second time he's with the Germans mm-hmm. and that part where he's actually free. And um, he starts running and he but goes to is, Isn't Northern. that before, is, don't we get introduced to Albert again before that? Uh, oh. yes, we actually, yeah. yes. While he's still in the German army, we cut back to Albert in the army. I really liked how they did that as well with the flashing lights and then suddenly see his face. In yeah. the trenches. Yeah. I really liked how they liked yeah. introduced his character. I did feel it was kind of confusing because the first time I saw it, I was like, wait, was that him? I don't remember. It's been so long. <laughs> it's been so long since I've seen him. I don't remember what he looks like. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this I, time I was watching for him, though, so. That yes, that whole scene in the trench when they were just about, when they were um, just about to go charge the mm. German army or German trenches, um, I really liked him. But especially the land landlord's son, mm-hmm. because up until then you had just seen him as a jerk, basically. But in that scene, you get to see him kind of as a leader and how he is good at inspiring people to. Yeah, well, he still comes off as a little bit of a jerk, but it kind of you don't hate him as much. Yeah, mm-hmm. and then when he gets wounded, and basically leaves the film there. Um, it's like you see him as no. a human. He's in the film later. Where? Um, when they rescue, when Albert comes oh, back yes. in and Correct. he's with them, and then they mention he's the dude on the crutches who. Yeah, he's he's since he's an officer, he offered to oh, claim right. Joey as yes. his own so that, that he could go with the other horses. Yeah. Right. Anywho, the yeah the whole section with Albie and his friends, I really liked mm-hmm. it. However. I felt like it had been such a long time since we'd seen Albie and the two other characters, his redheaded friend and his and the landlord's son. The first time I watched it, I didn't know who they were, and I was like, "They seem familiar, but I don't know." And it, like it really took me out of it because I was sitting there trying to figure out who they were. This time I remembered who they were. You didn't recognize him immediately with his extremely blue eyes. <laughs> well, I recognize Albie, but. <laughs> The other two actually looked alike. I kept confusing them. They were both like really well, tall and his friend, skinny. his redheaded friend, is taller. Yeah, but when you don't have them side by side to compare, you're like, is that his friend or is that the landlord's well, son? This time I noticed the landlord's son had a like a metal breastplate kind oh, of yeah, a thing, yeah. Yeah. peeking through. So yeah, the armor. You, yeah. Um. So it goes to their through their you know. Uh, the whole, storming the, the whole, trenches. Yeah, the storming trenches and the gas. I like that part. Yeah, that yeah. was really good. What did you think about the part where 
they almost make it seem like he's going to shoot his friend, that Albie's going to shoot his own friend. I was wondering why they didn't do that earlier in the scene. Like Earlier in the scene, but also it was kind of a obvious thing that was going to happen. I mean, that he was going to. Yeah, but I wish it's like they kept setting it up and then drawing the tension out farther and farther and farther. Yeah, it's like they were trying to set up a jump scare without actually doing the jump scare. So I felt ready for a jump scare, and when the jump scare didn't happen, it's kind of like deflating and not very exciting. The jump scare was actually supposed to be the gas. Actually, it feels like really the guy running out and saying gas. Yeah, that's what I thought because I remember that Albie got wounded somehow. I didn't remember how. I Mm -hmm. thought he like stepped on a mine or something or. I didn't know. I just remember that he did. I actually, when he turned around and was pointing his rifle at his friend, I had a flashback to the scene where his dad was going to shoot. Oh, the horse? Joey, yeah. And he turns around and Albie's standing in front of the gun. Really? That's Yeah, I suddenly just remembered that scene and I'm like, oh, Albie's on the other side of the gun now. The, the angles are <laughs> wrong for that, but they could have done that. I don't know. That would have been interesting. Well, yeah, it was more, I really liked that scene. Uh, back at the beginning with his dad about gonna shoot the horse really uh, there's something wrong with it well me. i don't know if i liked its place in the story but i really liked how it was acted and how it was shot yeah I it was a really tense scene it was like the first scene in the movie where you're like whoa action and exciting and tense and yeah it really made his dad seem rational it, and not all the way there yeah well that was meant to be but it felt uh not set up like, it was just yeah. all of a sudden he's going to go shoot the horse. Yeah, I think that may have been my problem. Right. Like, I, knew I like the, the scene. The it's just scene. how they set it up. Exactly. Like, I knew there was something wonky with it, but I didn't know what it was. Mm-hmm. But anyway, I just kind of flashed back to that scene. It kind of, there's like this unspoken, unseen uh, thing with Albie and his dad. Just throughout the thing, if you pay attention, it's there, but they don't actually ever state it. You know, where he, after he plows the field, he's like, Dad, why is Dad like that? Why is he so stubborn? And then he has that talk with his mom, and then his dad sells Joey, and then we just kind of leave him there. But, and then, oh, so, like, Joey has a, not Joey, but Albie has a attitude of, like, he doesn't want to be like his dad. Yeah. That would have been better. Yeah, so he has that attitude, and then they have that scene where he's on the other side of the gun. Mm-hmm. And at the end, I don't know, when he got home and his dad hugged him, I just felt like there was kind of a... A through line. A through line where it's kind of like, Albie's like, okay, I get where you're coming from now. I felt like they kind of sort of tried yeah, to do I've that. Yeah, I've been in war. I kind of get where you're coming from now. But it didn't quite happen for me. Yeah. yeah. That would have been better. Okay, so after uh, his friend dies in the gas and he gets injured um it that's actually when it cuts to joey uh just before the black horse dies mm-hmm. uh, and he he starts his run through the yeah. trenches and, and, he, and no man's land also after he jumps over the tank and then goes running through the trenches um it magically magically goes from day to night i noticed yeah that, well i think mm-hmm. it was dusk but it was very dramatically night the huh. whole running through the trenches scene, it was really cool. It was really exciting, but I felt like there I didn't understand why he was running or anything. Did anyone else get the feeling that that was 
like the visual scene that Steven Spielberg started with, I'm going to make a movie about the horse and the war. Because when you think war horse, that's like the first image that comes to mind is the right. horse running through the trenches. Maybe that's just because that's mainly what they showed in the trailer. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> that, that's exactly what I thought it was going to be about. And so I kind of got a little confused when we were watching the movie and we didn't actually get to the war part until mm-hmm. good ways in. I don't know. I like I liked it, but it was it wasn't about a person. It was about Joey again. Yeah. And you weren't sure why he was running away. I mean, he was scared, but... And the music, I think it was overscored again. I, th- I think it was overscored again because, you know, it would have been better if there had been somebody who was watching him run and feeling the horse's pain for him. Instead, we were, we were watching the horse be in pain. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah. and it just, I don't know. Was... And that leads into that that scene where he's jumping on the trenches, jumping over the trenches and failing running through the trenches, and then getting caught in the barbed wire. Mm-hmm. All that. I, I really like that scene with him getting trapped in the barbed wire. Oh, yeah. It looks so painful and just, ouch. Yeah. And also, interesting fact, um, they could not have, like, when he's running, they could not have anything hanging off him mm-hmm. as he's running. So whenever he's running and they show him with a barbed wire, the barbed wire and wooden posts are all... Uh, done in with CGI, and and then that what we talked about earlier with the shot with him getting flipped over mm-hmm. was a fake horse. Mm-hmm. I really liked. I mean, it's seamless. You can't tell. No. In the movie. Yeah, it's really really well. I'm done. actually wondering how they did the shots with him tangled up and lying still, or yeah, kind of moving where he was like fighting fighting the wire and right rearing and you know and like could. when they're cutting the wire too. Mm-hmm. Okay. And that's also one of my favorite parts of the movie. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes, totally. Where the, the two soldiers from each side come together to cut the horse out of the wire. I really liked all of the humor. Yes. Oh, Wherever yes. it was, like the whole thing with the goose at the beginning. <laughs> that was hilarious. And just, I loved how, like, subtle and kind of under the radar the humor was. But it was just, it was really funny. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the, and the, with the silk-lined hat. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> like, Oh, that's a fine hat. Maybe I'll shoot the other guy. And just that whole scene was really funny. Mm-hmm. So I feel like the the scene at the end where they're cutting the horse loose was kind of really good. Humor-wise, was awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it also showed the the respect that officers on each side had for each other, even if they were fighting each officers other. Officers on either side? They were both officers, I'm pretty sure. Uh, I'm not sure. Maybe they may be lower, L- like lower sergeant. ranking yeah. officers. I think it just showed that, you know, there are there were no. I mean, the soldiers were not, vel- or you know, mm-hmm. it showed that the the war wasn't fought by. You know, it wasn't. There wasn't the good and bad. There were just yeah, people and that on the war, side. the reasons for the war, didn't actually ha- matter at all to the they didn't soldiers. Have they were stakes. just fighting because. Their countries were fighting. They didn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I like that. I mean, I've seen other movies that have that element in it, but the, I think this is one of my favorite ones oh, yeah. because they actually get to spend more time together, um, and they do something together. And I thought that the whole flipping a coin thing was. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I thought it was really cool. And the he's 
when he says mm-hmm. they need more wire clippers. Yeah. <laughs> that shot, there's like eight of them just fly over the trench. Yeah. <laughs> or or they don't even show, in the coin toss, they don't show what the results are. Just the German guy says, that is the face of my Kaiser. And he is not happy with me. <laughs> just like, yeah. well, so you know what happened without seeing that. It's just a perfect humor moment. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so that, um, that's when they bring the horse back. Uh, and get him fixed up. And I wasn't sure why they, when he comes back and he, the guy that, um, the English soldier that cut him out of the barbed wire, when he went to the doctor, why they made the doctor kind of a villain. Like he did not want to believe I, I don't, something, something I don't think like that. they were trying to make him a villain. They were just trying to make it an obstacle. I think they were trying to make it real as well. I mean, because that's... I mean, obviously a villain is too strong of a word. Yeah, but... they were making him an obstacle. But, I don't know, I felt that it was really real. In a measure. I felt like he didn't want to believe. And I'm not sure why they chose that. Because they had to clean off and... Oh, you clean mean later? Off. Yeah. Yeah, clean him off and, uh, you know, show that he had... That the horse had the markings and everything. Mm-hmm. That's the only time he believed. Which, I don't know. Mm-hmm. And it's quite a coincidence that he happened to be so close to Albie. That Joey and Albie oh, yeah. met there. But that's just a thing of that happens in these kind it of was movies. The first time I watched the movie, I remember that part at the end. And I remember... You see Albie sitting there with a blindfold on, and then you see Joey go by in the background, yeah. and you just feel awful. Uh-huh. So close. It's so like, close. So close. So close. <laughs> I, and I did really like that. I like that moment, and I wish it had stayed that moment, and yeah. like they hadn't found each other. Oh, come on. I'm sorry. Th- that's I'm why. Mean, I mean, but... if, you, if you change the ending, it changes what the movie is about. Yeah. And so, yeah. I know. But the whole ending sequence, it just bugs me. It's just like, yeah. there's so many little, well, you know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. I did like the setup and payoff of the whistle. Like I said, the whole yeah. movie is made out of stuff like that. But Yeah. But you know that's going to happen. So oh, there was another surprising. good humor moment in the beginning, too. With oh. the whistle, oh, the horse would just run past the yep. screen. And... <laughs> yeah, that was really good. <laughs> but I didn't like... I guess I I didn't like the when the doctor was like, okay, I'm going to dip my rag in the water, yes, and scrub very off the dramatic. star on his forehead, and then he magically changes his mind. I know I can save his leg now because I know he owns he belongs to someone. Yeah, yeah. like I didn't like how he changed his mind. Like, right. as as an audience member, I wanted him to change his mind, but I don't know. It just it just kind of bugged. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, that, that that was very dramatic. Um so that is pretty much the end of the movie. I oh mean, no, the he, auction. Oh yeah, this the, the auction. Right. Which I like the auction, but mm-hmm. it felt like just one more thing at the end. One more obstacle. Yeah. That I know why it's there is to bring back um Emily's grandfather. But I really I didn't know. like him being there. I felt it was actually the other way around. Like I said, that the only reason Emily was in the film before was so that scene could be there, hmm. not the other way around. Right. Also, he need he needed the. Well, yeah, it's one more happy ending where he gets also he also gets the pen pendant back. Pendant. You know, Albie, pendant. No back. pendant. 
There's pendant. no D in the middle. Oh, pennant. Yes. A pendant is something <laughs> else. <laughs> wow. Wow. Having a minor vocabulary brain, moment. Brain failure. <laughs> I like a lot of the movie. I really liked the scene between Albie and the grandfather, but I didn't like the setup for it. Right. Exactly. Yes. It was a good scene. And then I really, I felt really sorry for Emily's grandfather because he's put out a hundred, a hundred pounds. <laughs> or so like, so he's just giving everything away, and that was a lot of money. I know. I almost expected like Albie to go. Well, since you lost everything, you should come and live with me in the horse. And I was like, <laughs> I know that crossed my mind too. <laughs> or I, you know, what would have a better one would be to, um. What if Albie's family had died or something? Oh. And, well, well, I mean, just say, what if? Him. Yeah, and he goes and lives with him. Well, um, they couldn't do that because then they couldn't do that sunset scene at the very why end. Why not? That could be in France. <laughs> which it was also a very, very, very beautiful part with the sunset, which was actually all real, yep. too. And that sunset with all the silhouette stuff that so very, very overly stylized. I mean, it was still cool. But mm-hmm. it almost felt too much. Oh, it totally felt too much for me. I was like, I was lost in the prettiness, and then I was like, hmm. Yeah, this is supposed <laughs> to be him coming home from a war with his horse. Yeah. It's like all the silhouette stuff looked good, but it's when they flipped the camera around and showed the light on people's faces that was very, very red mm-hmm. or orange. That one, that, that looked part like a sound felt, stage. Yeah, and felt overly color corrected, which. I'm not sure. I do have a question about the lighting and the cinematography. It seemed yes. like every time they were, where was he from? Darby? Darby? Dar- uh, is, uh, Devon. 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 Anytime they were in there, there was this weird yes. rim light. Yeah, I forgot to talk about that. Yeah, going this, on. Yeah, it, it's like the, it was supposed to be kind of like the sunset or sun behind them a little bit but it was very obvious light and some of the lighting it, i mean it didn't look bad no it just felt a out little bit strange like they had this light always just out of the edge of the camera where you couldn't see it but casting that weird yeah it light. almost felt like um it, what it was it felt inconsistent like the shot itself was really pretty but it didn't fit with the entire scene hmm. Hmm. yeah one thing i was having a little bit of issue with with the Grand with Emily and her grandfather, like I feel like that that is the thing that kind of bugs me the most. Besides the whole horses a horse thing, um, like the grandfather's motivation for buying Joey at the end mm-hmm. was that his granddaughter really loved Joey, and that, and that it she would, had died. Yeah, and that she had died, and so I felt like I felt like their whole earlier section. I didn't feel like she loved Joey that Especially, much. yeah. Yeah, enough to I thought she was Specifically just, Joey, you mean? Yeah, specifically yeah. Joey She was just kind much. of enchanted with the idea of riding a horse. Well, it right. was kind of a throwaway line when they were taking the horses where he said, It'll, can we keep the smaller one? You know, the, right. the grandfather. Well, you could see that she had an obvious preference for Joey and that she really wanted to learn how to ride and that she, you know, she wanted to ride Joey. Yeah. That was obvious. What wasn't obvious was that it, it was just like what she'd been waiting for her whole life and i don't it think it was like... meant to i think it was just because the grandfather knew that that was her favorite of the two and he was putting the significance on the horse right that felt funny to me 
Not really. That he would put significance on the horse. That he put 100 pounds in a three-day journey. Right. On the horse. And just <laughs> hearing that there had been this horse that had maybe survived. Right. The miracle yeah. horse. The miracle horse. And it's like, why Why would he, why would that character specifically label Joey as a miracle horse? There wasn't a reason for that in his storyline. Right. So that pretty much brings us up to the end of the movie. What? Well, close. Nope. The ending, like we said, wasn't satisfying. Why no. wasn't it satisfying? Yeah, why Why was that? Was it? Well, yeah, that, that's the next thing I was going to go into. Oh. What, I mean, okay. your final opinion on it, on the ending. Well, you had something more about the ending. Oh. So beyond the the grandfather's motivation seeming too strong for its setup, mm-hmm. like the payoff felt like it didn't quite match its setup. But beyond that, the end isn't about Joey. Right. End is about Aldi right. again. I mean, the last shot is of Joey, but but it's not from his perspective. Yeah, you're not feeling his emotion. You're feeling the emotion of Albie and his family. And the if emotion anything. of the sunset. And the emotion <laughs> of the sunset. You're feeling the color orange. This is the first time that the hero has ridden away from the sunset. No, wait. In? As the sunset. It's the first sunset he had ever experienced. <laughs> no, instead the of the hero. sunset that matters. <laughs> instead of riding into the sunset, he's riding out of the That's sunset. That's right. That was the first sunset in the film <laughs> that they actually showed like that. <laughs> anyway, I, I don't know. It just, again, it bugs me that Joey is the main character and then Joey isn't the main character. And then we're introducing all these other main characters, and but we keep switching back to Joey. But when we get to the end, the beginning and the end is not about Joey. Right. It's about Albie. Yeah, and Albie is way more interesting to watch. However, you don't see Albie for two-thirds of the movie. You only see him at the beginning and at the end. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'd be really curious to read this book, the book it was based on, and, you know, and see how they did it in the book. Yeah. Well, I feel like it would work better in a book. The book was actually written by a guy named Michael Morpurgo. Morpurgo. I had to look up a video of a talk he did to see how you say his name. Mm-hmm. And I still messed it up. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but he actually grew up in that area. He's mm-hmm. from there. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, so, there is a play or a musical, right? Right. I... I think the play has actually come before the movie. Is it? That's what yeah. my question is. I'm pretty sure it is, but I don't know if the play really influenced the movie as much. I think it was more based on the book rather than the movie based on the play. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the, in the play they were much, because the, um, the horses are puppets, like mm-hmm. really, really intricate right. puppets. and there's some videos which I'll also post in the show notes. Oh, it's amazing. How these puppets are done on the play and just the, the yeah. puppetry. Yeah, I've seen some them. of it. It's just amazing. I think the play format probably lends itself better to right. the structure of the story being more from Joey's point of view. Right, this traveling audience proxy really works yeah. much better for a play than. And there's there it, there's like in the film there's like many set pieces where you stay in this area with these characters for a while, and then mm, you just move the set true. piece along. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh. Something else that I just thought of, the passage of time in this movie was not very well right. felt oh, yeah. by the audience. It's not till they stopped and think it stopped and thought about it that it's four years long. The movie it's four years long. Really? 
Yes, the because warp starts, was that long. Yeah. Oh gosh, I did not even. Yeah. So make each that one of those little stories that happens with Joey are months long. Well, especially the grandfather and granddaughter story, that didn't feel like months. That I, felt like I days. think that one was meant. Well, no, actually, that one was it would, short. Too. That, or that was made, supposed to be long. Too. See, but it would have made a lot more sense if it had been months. And that was confusing yeah. to me. I think it was supposed to be, but they didn't effectively show it. Yeah. A um, couple other, as we're closing up talking about it, there's a couple other things. Um, the film had around uh, 5,800 extras and about three, 300 horses in it. Um, it was a 60, about a 64-day shoot. Mm. And on the it said here that was an exceptionally tight sixty-six million dollar budget. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's um, not it actually much. made That's not much in theaters. It made back or it made um around one hundred seventy-seven million. So it definitely was not a flop. I think it kind of critically was iffy. Yeah. Um. Yeah. It, it does well, have a seventy-seven percent on Rotten Tomatoes, but you know. I think it's there for people who like horse stories yes. who like animal stories because i remember a lot of our friends really really liked yeah they movies. saw it in the theater and they really they're like oh my goodness i loved warhorse and we saw it and we were kind of like why did we not love warhorse as Something much as all of our friends right, right. yeah <laughs> well i understand why people who are like like admittedly i am not the person who likes animal movies like yeah i, I, yeah, I have I, a general preference against animal movies just that's just the way i am but I can understand why people who really love animals and really, really like animal movies would like this movie. Right. I mean, it's, it is a well-done movie. I just have problems with the story mm-hmm. and the realisticness of how horses are portrayed. Yeah. Hey, you know, I think the end, if they had done the passage of time better, actually, to where the audience felt like it had been four years since Joey and Albie had been separated. Mm-hmm. The ending would have been better. Oh, so much better. Because yeah. you you'd be like, oh my goodness! After four years of war, they found each other. Oh my goodness! Such a coincidence. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Oh, you know, and one thing I really missed was I really wanted to see Albie joining the war. What do you mean? Like when he oh, yes. when he enlisted? Yes. I I actually thought there was a scene where he enlisted for some reason. I I had a well, picture in my head that he actually yeah. enlisted. Maybe it's just because, because it's an important detail that our mind automatically assumes right. would be in there. Yeah. yeah. I, I think maybe it's just because we knew that he would be in the war later. Right. I was actually shown in the trailer, but the scene where he gets the letter telling him that the captain, Tom Hiddleston's character had died mm-hmm. and he just kind of stands there by the fence, staring off into the distance. I immediately thought, Oh, he's thinking about signing up. Oh yeah. That's I never what... questioned that he actually would enlist. It's just, I, I remember in my head, the scene just, when uh, his father is selling the horse, there's the scene, the camera move that goes along the desk where all the people are enlisting. Oh, yeah. And I had put that in my head that he was in there later yeah. on, <laughs> enlisting there. So somewhere between those two scenes. Yeah. It seems like I remember a scene where he enlisted as well. You know, what would have been a good scene is if, um, well, he's too young to enlist, obviously, at the beginning of the movie when Joey right. is sold, right? So you show him on his 18th birthday, or is it 19th? I think it's was 18 18 um you show him on his 18th birthday going to enlist in his you show right. his parents yeah and how sad especially they are. his mom yeah especially his mom how sad 
and well also his dad because there was also conversations about oh, yeah. his dad and and I just his want more of his mom in the, in the movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I do too. Um but also it would be a good opportunity to show how broken his relationship is with his dad. Yeah. Which would have been a good thing I think to have in the movie. You know, it's possible that they filmed that and it didn't fit in the time and so it was cut. So this film was nominated for six uh, Academy Awards: uh, Best Picture, S- Best Cinematography, mm. Art Direction, Ooh. Sound, Sound Editing, and Original Score. Unfortunately, did not win any of them. <laughs> I, I didn't I, it go up against some pretty serious contenders that year. Well, though? yeah, uh, in Best Picture, um, Best Picture actually went to the artist that year. Oh, oh that okay. makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah, and Best Director. Well, no, it wasn't nominated for that, but. I don't. I don't know what was actually won for best score. I don't know. It was um, that year. I do remember that it was. A lot of the nominations were between the artist and Hugo. That year. Oh yeah, those are. Was Hugo contenders. scored by John Williams? Howard Shore. Oh okay. Yes. Well, I could imagine Hugo winning best score. Yeah, I'll have to look it up. So, on that note, what do you guys think of the art design? Oh, it was beautiful. Yes, all the production design was fantastic. And actually, um, Steven Spielberg, when he was trying to find, you know, like tanks and, you know, just all the period equipment and costumes and stuff, a lot of it was actually um, loaned to him by Peter Jackson. And he has a huge collection of, well, he actually had uh, like uh, 15 biplanes from the area, which they didn't even need for the movie. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That's really. I thought everything was really well done. I mean, Steven Spielberg's done a couple of World War One and Two movies. Maybe not one, but he's done at least mm-hmm. two World War Two movies. And I think there, the art direction is really, really good on all of them. Yes. Yeah. The the amount of grime and extras and trenches. it puts you so far into the world you don't even think about it. Or at least I don't. I didn't yeah. look at the go and go, wow they had to make all of that i just yeah. was in it yeah um the best the, yeah the best compliment you can give is that i didn't notice it when we were watching the movie yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i'm surprised that it was nominated for sound design actually because i thought everything in the war was really well done sound design wise but outside of the war was actually not very good skimped on a little mm. i felt like well there's a lot of horse stuff that could make it really hard oh that's true the sound and sound editing awards went to Hugo, which that makes sense. Yeah. So this was uh, Steven Spielberg's first um, World War One movie. Right. Before that, he had done at least or uh, he had done six. He had directed six World War Two films and had produced two others. Wow. Yeah. More than I ever heard. Yeah, it's, he did uh, nineteen forty one. Raiders of the Lost Ark, oh, Empire of the Sun, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, Schindler's List, and Saving Private Ryan. I was mostly thinking of Schindler's List and Saving Private Ryan. Yeah, I think those are usually his, well, Raiders of the Lost Ark. I don't, that's I different, don't, though. I, that's that indie. doesn't feel like a World War II movie. Well, because it's not really. I it's mean, placed in World War II, but it's not about World War II. Yeah. Well, it's about Nazis. Those are the villains. That's that's about the only... Yeah, but it's about indie. It's different. Yeah. <laughs> The villain um, isn't the war. So, is there anything else you guys have to say? Nope. 
has any of y'all's opinion has any of y'all's opinions changed since talking about the film or are they pretty much the same um i actually kind of liked it a little bit better it's like the parts i liked about it i like even more seeing it again you know Mm -hmm. mainly because it's been so long since i've seen it but it just it was nice to go back and actually have confirmed what i thought that i really like these parts and yes they were as good as i remembered yeah and mm-hmm. yeah that that's pretty much how i felt about it mm-hmm. yeah i don't know i don't think talking about it here has really changed my opinion or i do think i liked it more seeing it again just because i wasn't as confused because i had remembered enough <laughs> um i think it's a really well made movie it's really beautiful and uh it's enjoyable to watch a couple it's, times it's technically yes an amazing film well acted it's just it just has some problems because it's supposed to be from the perspective of the horse and that gets a bit lost in translation yeah i think so i i think it's a fun movie and it had some funny moments yeah so but i wouldn't watch it again just to watch it i don't think so what would you rate it out of five stars three three yeah. I, i'm somewhere between yeah probably a three for me too yeah i don't i don't give five stars out unless it's kind of firing on all cylinders and i want to watch it again pretty much right after i finished right. watching it and i saw this movie once and when it came out and i haven't wanted to watch it since <laughs> so <laughs> yeah so that brings us to the end of the podcast Uh, If you have any questions or comments or just an opinion about the movie, you can post them on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash roguesohu or email us at admin at roguesohu.com. This has been the Earflaps podcast brought to you by Roguesohu Productions. I'm Maxwell Sweat. And I'm Rachel Poling. And I'm Annie Poling. And so to sign us off, here's Annie with a bit of filmmaker lingo. Yes, our filmmaker lingo for today is a MacGuffin. And a MacGuffin is a plot device. It's basically an item or a person or even a place that everyone is after. So the hero has it and then the villain has it and it changes hands several times and um, it moves the plot forward. Would it be fair to say that Joey is a MacGuffin? Um, he becomes a MacGuffin. Everyone's after him eventually. Wants him. Wants to keep him. Okay, everyone, I hope you enjoyed listening, and we'll see you next time. See you next time. Bye. Crickets. (laughs) (laughs) We did it. Our first podcast. Yeah, you should. (sighs) We we just did a high five for all you people listening. No, no. (laughs) Okay. There. Okay, we just did a a three-way. Max, you fail at sister telepathy. Well, I'm the only one that's not a sister here. That's true.